With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Agile in Government. We took a look at Agile a few days ago in a lot of detail. We spent about 38 minutes going through the basics of Agile. Now, this is for my friends in UK government. I actually have a sister who works in UK government, uh, does all sorts of work in the UK government there and recently got an OBE. So shout out to my sis. And I'm hoping that this helps her and her team understand, better understand Agile and uh, how it can help. So what we're going to do today is go to the website gov.uk service dash manual forward slash agile dash delivery you can see it on the screen we're going to take a look at this website almost in its entirety i'm going to be giving you some commentary to help you understand um, agile in more detail so before we go any further let us first of all talk about what agile is because i see a lot of folks thinking that agile is all about software agile isn't just about software. Agile is a way of thinking first and foremost. So I would like to correct any impressions that people have about Agile. And I really like to drum down on the fact that Agile is primarily a way of thinking. There are many descriptions that have the word Agile in them, But first and foremost, if you're just talking about bare bones agile, like in the business world, an entire company could be agile. An entire business unit could be agile. So when we say agile, we're talking about how you think first and foremost. And thinking will beget certain good behaviors that will help you better cope with uncertainty all around you. One of the big things in the world of Agile is our focus, our obsession on the human element. We think about individuals and how they interact first over processes, tools, and documentation. It should always be about the people, the people doing the work and the people you are doing the work for. If you think like that, you are getting into an Agile mindset. When you take a look at a process, because I know in government, oh my goodness, look, I love government, I've worked with government, but we have a lot of this. Red tape. If you are truly being agile, you are going to cut out the crud and you're going straight for the crux of the matter. You are maximizing The amount of work not done. You are maximizing the work not done. In other words, you're cutting out the red tape. If it is not essential, don't do it. If it is a waste of time, don't do it. If it is bureaucracy, don't do it. If it is adding unnecessary steps to the process, don't do it. If it is favoring processes and tools over humans, it's not agile. If it's a big old fat process that has a lot of fat, fatty processes, don't do it. If it is a framework that people say, oh, this is a framework and everyone's using it. We're using it to scale agile. And it has tons and tons and tons and tons of steps It is not agile. It's a big old fat process. Don't do it. So your job as an agilist is to cut out, cut out the crud, 
that is huge in the world of agile. Maximize the amount of work not done. Humans and the interactions of humans. You should be obsessed with that. Another tenet of agile, something that we're really, really obsessed about, is the V word. Value, 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 value. We are obsessed with value to our customers. And if it does not add value to our end users or customers, don't do it. If it does add value, be obsessed with prioritizing it. Prioritize, prioritize, prioritize. There's a way we think in the world of Agile. We think like this. We have certain items. Let's say these are all items that our customer wants, right? A customer wants all of these things. And we have some items here. Let's say this item is high value. It will absolutely make our customer's life easier. But it's high risk. We have an item here that is high value, but it's low risk. We have an item here that is low value, uh, low risk. We have an item here that is low value, high risk. And we have many other items of different categories. In an agile setting, when you take a look at a list of things that the customer wants, which we call, by the way, a backlog, generically speaking, but it's really a product backlog, right? Let's say you got all these things a customer wants in a product backlog. If you are truly thinking agile, you're going to prioritize these. You're going to think about the risk associated with them, the value associated with them. And at a very high level, because there are many other factors that come into play, you are going to first of all think about the high value, high risk items. They're high value, but they're high risk. Think about doing those first. Get the big rocks out of the way and think about high value low risk and then think about low value low risk and then you're going to have some low value high risk these don't do why do them when you still have one two and three to do now i know in a lot of governments and business units, people say, but I've got money and I need to do this because I've got the fiscal year money and I don't want it to run out. So I am going to do these as well so I don't lose the money. That isn't a very smart thing to do. But if you are absolutely bent on doing low value, high risk items, you better count the cost because you could have a lot of cleaning to do. So these are some of the things we do in the world of Agile. You see what I mean? It's a way of thinking. It's a way that you address work. So you prioritize. You gotta be fanatical in how you prioritize. Excuse my faulty spelling. So you prioritize, prioritize, prioritize. Value, value, value. Customer, customer. And how about the team? The team, you are obsessed with removing roadblocks for the team. You are a roadblock remover. When we talk about being agile, you remove all those roadblocks. You burst through that barricade that is blocking the team. We call these impediments. You remove impediments for the team. Another thing we do in the world of agile, when we take a look at a deliverable, for example, Let's say we have a deliverable that is like this. All right. This is our deliverable right here. In the world of Agile, we will look at different pieces of the deliverable, each face of the deliverable. And we will break this down into iterations. This is one of the things we do in the world of Agile. 
We break things down to be done in short. We call them sprints as well. So you'll hear this term sprint being used, right? Sprint or iteration. A sprint is a time box of anywhere from one to four weeks within which we get stuff done. Now, this pertains to a particular approach to practice in Agile known as Scrum. There are many other approaches to working in an Agile fashion. This is a framework, though. When we say sprint, we're really talking more about the Scrum framework. Now, I will show you the Scrum framework, but I still want you to get a little bit more about the think. The reason why we do things in iterations is to enable you cope better with risk, with uncertainty. After all, what is risk? Uncertainty that matters to your project. So the way we do this, we could break this down into the very first iteration, iteration one, we get this part done. Iteration two, we get this part done. Iteration three, we get the back part done, right? And we can put the back part here just for your imagination, right? We get that done. Iteration four, we get the front done. Iteration five, we get that done. And iteration six, we get the bottom done. And the reason why we're doing this is if in the very first iteration one, we discover a certain property that needs to be inherent in all of the other phases. We have delivered the very first panel. We're going to get feedback. And that feedback is going to help us with iteration two for this. Iteration three. Let's say we get feedback at iteration three that something else needs to happen. We take that feedback from our customers we put it back into the production cycle of what we're doing. We make adjustments. We repeat things until they're correct. And ultimately, we have a final deliverable, what the customer was looking for. And this is why we approach things in iterations in Scrum or in Agile itself as a risk coping mechanism. This is how you deal with uncertainty. So you've never done a job before. You've never worked with a technology before. You do things in an experiential fashion, all right? Remember, in the very first video that we did, we looked at a ton of stuff. And one of the things that I addressed in the very earlier videos that we did was something known as, we're going there now, the Stacy complexity model. Many moons away, but it's still there, right there on the screen, right here, okay? So when you think about Agile, the reason why you're working in an agile fashion is because there's high variability. There's a need to experiment. Change is likely. You are in a complex environment. You have technical uncertainty here. And technical uncertainty is very high. You have the requirement certainty. Requirement certainty is far from agreement. This is the zone that you're in, the complex going to the anarchy zone. And this is where Agile thrives. This is why you should practice Agile, because it helps you address complex problems and adapt in a nimble fashion. So there's a, a place where we practice predictive project management, following plans, right? Even if we have some complicated work, such as building a watch, many steps. But if you follow the plan, you'll get there. Not so with complex, all right? Go watch my video earlier and this will make a lot more sense. All right, so since we started today, I've been trying to 
get you caught up to speed with what exactly agile is the agile think the why we do things in an agile fashion why do we communicate daily as a risk coping mechanism you get what i'm saying all right now i know you're itching to get to the website so let's go there to the gov.uk site now getting to this site it reads agile delivery and that's why I went over agile thinking. So now you get to agile delivery. You already know some of the philosophy, some of the thinking of agile. And it says how to work in an agile way, tools and governance. And uh, let's see, this is showing all the sections. And it says understanding agile project management, introduction methods, core features. So let's click on this. Agile and government services and introduction. Let's read real quick. All right. So it says, you must use the agile approach to project management to build and run government digital services. Agile methods encourage teams to build quickly, test what they've built, and iterate. See that word again? Iterate. Iterations based on regular feedback. Why do you want the feedback so quick? So that you can avert any problems. So that you can deal with it. Where does Agile come from? Agile started out as an alternative approach to software development. Now, I've corrected that in that you should think about Agile as a way of thinking. Yes, it started off in the software world. But when we say Agile, we're not talking about software development first. We're talking about a way of thinking. The principles behind Agile are set out in the Agile Manifesto. If you go to agilemanifesto.org, you can see all that stuff we talked about in the very beginning. The differences between traditional and agile methods, I've shown you the Stacey complexity model. This should be very clear. Agile can be very different for people used to traditional waterfall methods for software development. Let's make this a bit bigger if we can. Can we make it bigger? Yes. Okay. Make it just a bit bigger so you can see it. Okay. With waterfall methods, the process is sequential. You start by gathering requirements, making plans, and going through procurement process. The bottom line is Agile takes a different approach than doing things step by step by step, right? Cookie cutter, follow from step one to 10. In Agile, you do all these things, gathering requirements, planning, designing, building, and testing at the same time. You start small in the discovery and alpha phases. You research, prototype, test, and you learn about your users' needs before you start building the real service in the beta phase. You go, only go live when you have enough feedback to show your service works. And that is one of the things about Agile, feedback. There is something we call the minimum viable product, MVP. It is a concept that we use in Agile to deliver the minimum viable product to understand if indeed the product that we are looking to produce is what the customer wants so it's a minimum chunk of functionality it could be a little bit of functionality in a tiny little prototype prototyping is big in the world of agile but it could also be a skeletal schematic of sorts not even a full-blown detailed engineering drawing but just a skeletal schematic to find out is this what you want? Just feedback. It could also be a survey. It could be a simple survey. It could be questions. But the bottom line is you you cherish that feedback. And that is one of the things that is big in Agile. Now, government services also need to be able to respond quickly to policy changes and the needs of the public. See, it's a mindset. Once you get this mindset, it's going to help you to be Agile because you're going to think, hmm, how can I get how can I get these changes done quick? How can I respond to the needs of the public quick? Using waterfall methods means you may spend 18 months building a service that no longer meets government policy, cannot work, and we see these days things changing so rapidly. This is why you need to be agile. Uh, they've got some case studies there, great stuff for you to look at. Okay? And that is the very first piece. So let's go back to Agile Delivery. All right. So we've taken a look at that first piece over there. Okay. The introduction. 
Now we're going to working with agile methods. Let's click on that. And it goes into creating an agile working environment, agile tools and techniques, set up a team wall, writing user stories, planning in agile, deciding on priorities, developing a roadmap and making services in an emergency. Now I'm going to teach you these things, first of all, in an organic fashion so that you're not bound to the website as much so that you can think freely, right? If you are creating an agile working environment, first and foremost, you need to, of course, think agile. And then you need to ask the question, how can we remove obstacles? How can we remove obstacles for the team? Physical obstacles. There's a big old wall between you and your teammates. Or you're plunked in an office all day and they cannot get access to you and you're on the team. That is not an agile environment. An agile environment is a collaborative, collaborative environment where people can work together, people can work together and they can have access to each other. People learn by osmotic communication. They hear what is going on around them. They tap into it. They may be doing something else, but by osmosis, they learn what is going on in your world as a team member. You, remember, it's a team. It's a team think. You got to think teamwork makes a dream work. So in the world of Agile, we're looking to work as a team. We're looking to use osmotic communication. We're looking to use, as Alistair Coburn coined it, an information radiator that radiates information that everyone needs to know about or would like to know about or could gain value from knowing about. We ensure that the team think is right. So right from the get-go, even before talking about creating an agile working environment, you've got to think about the team and you've got to think about hiring adults, people who are not babies, who do not need to be babysat, people who know the work to be done and they're going to go, go, go get the work done. And you also want to think about compatibility. Not everyone is a compatible team member with every other team. Some teams, some folks may do well on and other teams they won't. You got to make sure they are compatible. You got to think about the five stages of team development before you hire anyone because they may not be a good fit for your team. They could cause disarray. So the question is, are you a good candidate for the team? Where do you fit in? And how will you work with the team? Some people just come with drama, baggage, problems. Those folks need to go through some training. They need to go through some help before they join the team because you don't want them to cause trouble for your team members. So when you talk about creating an agile environment, the people, the team, we need to get that straight first. You know the five stages of team development, forming, storming, norming, performing, and adjourning. The team is formed in the forming stage. Everyone tries to be independent, and then we get into storming, and it's good to have a strong facilitator in the storming stage so that we can minimize the schisms and minimize the time spent in the storming stage Ultimately, the team will get to norming and then performing where they're performing like a well-oiled unit. They are bursting down barriers. They are getting stuff done. They are excelling. And that's where we want to keep the team. So it's one thing to talk about the, the environment. But it's another thing to remember qualities of team members that are going to excel well there. All right. So creating a, a, an agile work environment in addition to that, you want to set up the environment so that it's easy to move around. It, you have access to your team members and things such as that. Very quickly, let's go to creating an agile working environment and see firsthand what is here. All right. So it says, things move quickly in agile. So digital teams need ways to coordinate the activities communicate, progress, and collaborate. So on an Agile team, in this kind of arrangement, there's no time for slacking <laughs> because the team is around you. So no, no playing on the Xbox, no playing solitaire, right? Remember I said we hire adults. So things are going to move quickly. Use your knowledge of design to make it a good working environment. Sometimes it's just removing obstacles that are in between team members. 
what an agile environment looks like. You should expect to see lots of short meetings throughout the day, often around walls covered in notes or reference material. This may seem strange in office cultures, but used to more formal meetings or conference calls. People have so many impromptu meetings in the world of agile. They pair, they work together. Remember, it's a team. They are working together, sometimes in twos or in threes. It says those working in creative and technical fields often need plenty of space for focused, detailed work. It's common to see people spend most of the day with headphones on to help them focus or deep com- in conversation with just one person with whom they are pairing. So we talk about the team pairing quite a lot in the world of Agile. Decide what you need from your environment. So we talk about the physical environment, sitting together, hacking the environment. In other words, removing dividers between desks. That makes a big difference. If large monitors are getting in the way, remove them. You might also want to think about getting a desk organizer. Wall space is big. You've got to have wall space so the team can collaborate, so they can put stuff up, they can brainstorm, uh, get stuff done. This helps the team to discuss what they're working on, sort out the problems, talk through ideas. It's called visual management. Find out how to set up your team wall. Uh, Click on that if you want to know more about that. The right technology as a team, you also need online tools to help you communicate, manage. I'm just going to say regarding these tools, you've got to be careful that you choose nimble, lightweight, lightweight tools. Let me give you some friendly advice. If you're using a process, whether it's labeled as agile or not, or you're using a tool, and it's a heavy process or a heavy tool, needs a lot of brain power, is slow and lumbering, has so many steps that overwhelm, it is not agile, don't use it. If it's giving the team a headache, don't use it. Individual members of the team also need access to tools to help them with their role. For example, your user researcher may need access to video editing software. You should check if anyone needs training to use the tools you use. This is very big. We put aside time uh, and resources to get people trained in the world of Agile. We understand that the team may need a refresh on some of these tools. Online communication. Again, you have some recommendations made here. Uh, Slack, the Environment Agency uses Yammer. NHS uses Microsoft Teams. Uh, Ministry of Justice uses HipChat. I have a quote and it goes like this. Great project management is made great not because of software tools. It is made great by the great minds and attitudes behind the tools. So all of these are great, but your success does not hinge entirely on tools. It's all about the individuals and interactions over the processes and tools. Just remember that. These tools work like chat rooms and allow your team to talk in a more conversational way. All right, moving on. Collaboration is a big thing. You must have browser-based editing tools so your team can work on the same document as simple as Google Docs. Miro is another one. Uh, Smart Sheets. We could go on and on, right? So this is a mandatory open standard requirement that people can work on the same stuff at the same time. Oh, there you go. So MOJ and other departments use Google Drive. GDS and MOJ use collaboration tools like Confluence for internal wikis, while GDS uses Basecamp. Managing your backlog. Remember that word I said, (laughs) backlog? Well, we're going to talk about the product backlog eventually, but managing your backlog. You might find an online board helps you to manage your backlog in addition to your physical wall. Online boards allow you to record further detail behind backlog items like draft designs and link to discussions on collaboration tools. Teams at GDS, oh, that's one of my favorites, Trillo, can't go wrong with that, so on and so forth. HMRC, Home Office and MOJ use Jira. Uh, that is a paid tool, but they might have a, a, an arrangement that allows them to uh, use that at some good rates. So whichever agency you're in, take a look, find out more information. Visit Agile Working Environments. If you're setting up an Agile Working Environment for your team, you might find it useful to go and look at how other Agile teams are working. Uh, get in touch with the Agile Delivery Community to arrange a tour. Hmm. Well, let's take a look and see what is on this page. All right. So Agile Delivery Community. Get involved. Great stuff for you if you're in government. Really, really cool. So anyway, that's where we were. We were on uh, creating an Agile environment. And uh, maps back here again. 
see. So let's go back up to where we were and go back over to where we started. All right. And I think it's pretty much plunked me in the same place. So let's go to Agile Tools and Techniques and see what is here. So Agile Tools and Techniques can help your digital service team to self-organize and plan, communicate within the team and the rest of the organization, continuously improve the way you work and get support. Now, there are a number of things that I talked about here. And while these are helpful and useful, you don't really have a framework being displayed to help you put this in context, okay? So what I would like to do uh, outside of this is teach you a little bit about Scrum, which is, I'll call it a lightweight, agile framework. And it's such a valuable framework because it helps you. It helps you see a lot of the things we've talked about from the Agile Manifesto being practiced. It actually helps you see these things in motion. So while this is a really awesome site, you know, really great site, I feel there's a visual component missing. And before we round up today, I would, I would love to go through the visual pieces and explain them to you so that you have a better understanding um, of Scrum and all of these other things. All right, so let's go ahead and do that. So, so, so let's talk about Scrum. This will help us better understand the pages that are on the gov.uk website. So Scrum, as I said, is a lightweight framework that helps you build products, services, deliver results, coping with uncertainty in a very smart way. It starts off by presenting to you a repository, if you will, a backlog of user-centered requests. And we call this a product backlog. But it's also important for you to understand how do things get in the backlog and what are some of the roles in this framework? So you understand that a framework is flexible. You can mold it and adapt it in different ways. Okay, Scrum is a framework. Prince 2, which you've probably heard about, is an example of a methodology. So a framework is more flexible. All right, so in the world of Scrum, we have three roles. We have five ceremonies and three artifacts. The roles are the product owner, the scrum master, and the team. The five ceremonies, we're going to learn them. The three artifacts, you're going to learn them. Now, just remember, this is a framework. It's adaptable to some degree, but we like to keep the integrity of scrum, the skeleton of scrum. We ask that you keep its integrity, and if you want to tailor tailor up don't tailor down but tailor up in good taste all right so like i said it starts off with an understanding that customers need stuff and they're going to have a list of things that they want those things in this world of scrum we will keep those things in a backlog now remember in the very beginning i told you you've got to prioritize you got to think high value high risk low value low risk all that stuff i told you that stuff that i told you you will put it to practice right here in your product backlog. You will prioritize this backlog continuously all throughout the life of this project, this endeavor, okay? How do things get into the product backlog? There is an unspoken process of backlog preparation. And backlog preparation just means for things to get into the backlog, 
they have to be ridden, they have to be worked on, and they have to be entered into the backlog. What do the things in the backlog look like? We call the things in the backlog user stories. Now, this is quite a fascinating way of documenting what users want. And I say it's fascinating, having come from the world of predictive, first of all, coming into the world of Agile, this was very interesting and new to me. Because in the world of predictive, there were ways we had the requirements, traceability matrices, and documents for that, requirements, documentation. But here in this world, we use the concept of user stories. And how you write a user story is with the role, the goal, and the benefit. And the role is, for example, customer. For example, visitor or guest. So let's say the role is a guest. The user story is written typically in this format as a, whatever you are, in this case, guest to a hotel. What is the goal? I want my information to be saved. What is the benefit? So that I won't have to fill it in each time I visit. That is a user story. Roll, go, benefit. As a guest, I want my information to be saved so that I won't have to fill it in each time I visit. So which information? This is where you need to get clarity. Maybe this individual has had some experiences with banking information. So you want your banking information to be saved? Oh, I see. So that is functionality that we have to build in. And this could be functionality we build into one iteration, but there could be several iterations. You could have iteration one that has this functionality in it and other things, iteration two, iteration three, so on and so forth. Together, all of this will make a release at some point. And you could have release one, release two, release three, on and on, till you're done. So the idea is to write these user stories And these user stories are user-centered requests. We're very careful not to call them requirements because a requirement means it must be done. Get it? So we have all this information in a product backlog, but we need to work it. And the way we work it is working it into sprints, right? We get each of these pieces done in different sprints. So we got to break down the product backlog into a sprint backlog of smaller chunks. So as you can see from the illustration here, we have the big old product backlog, but we take a sliver of that information, those stories, and we put them into a sprint backlog. But we decide which of these elements in the product backlog are we going to do in the sprint? And we do that in a sprint planning ceremony. So in the sprint planning ceremony, we decide the specific things that are going to be done in the sprint. This right here in blue, that's one of the artifacts. This right here in orange, that is just one of the five ceremonies. So you're going to see orange and blues. Blues are the artifacts, the orange ceremonies. All right, let's move on. So, in sprint planning, we put together a sprint backlog. That's the next 
artifact. And the sprint backlog is a list of what needs to be done during the sprint. The sprint is typically one to four weeks, not more than that. Some companies use a one day, a two day, multi-days, multi-sprints. It really depends. Some companies like the Amazons and the Spotify's of this world deliver so rapidly. Some companies deliver in hours. So you don't have to be bound to one week. It could be less than a week. But the bottom line is that within the sprint, this is where we get work done. So we know what needs to be done and that gets put into the sprint backlog. But guess what? We are not going to change the sprint backlog because we've committed to it. So that once the sprint backlog is locked and loaded, we get that stuff done within the sprint. We have something called a daily scrum. Now you may hear people referring to this as a daily standup meeting. Well, it's a daily scrum. And the daily scrum, we focus on removing impediments, we focus on understanding what is at play. Three questions are typically asked in the daily scrum ceremony. And actually, let's focus on the daily scrum before we move on to the next informal ceremony I was about to talk about. So let's clear all that up. And let's zoom in to talk about this one, the daily scrum. The daily scrum ceremony is where those doing the work, who we refer to as the developers some people would say the development team some people would say the team but this is where the developers who are doing the work meet and three questions could be answered here what did you do yesterday to advance us towards the sprint goal so when we have sprint planning We have a sprint backlog, but we also have a goal for the sprint. So whatever that goal is, when we meet in the daily scrum, we're going to answer the question. What have you done since our last meeting to move you towards the sprint goal? What are you going to do today to move us towards the sprint goal? And are there any impediments in your way? All right, so yesterday, today, and impediments. Think about those three questions, okay? Now, as those questions are answered, team members can hear and they are aware of how to get rid of certain impediments. Maybe there's someone right there that can help to remove some of those impediments, and that's why we have these discussions, The next thing is backlog refinement. Now, this is an informal ceremony, which is why it's great. The backlog refinement ceremony is where we take some time out to work on the product backlog, to refine the backlog and get it to a state where in the next sprint, the next sprint, right? When we get to this point in the next sprint and we have sprint planning and we're trying to put things into the sprint backlog by the time we get here in the next sprint we have already worked on a lot of these items to get them to the point of being ready that's the word we use ready so whatever ready means we need to understand it and our goal needs to be to be able to work on this stuff as much as possible in advance of the next sprint So that by the time we get to sprint planning, a lot of the heavy work has already been done. And all we're doing is minor decisions that are not as big as splitting user stories that are very big into smaller pieces and estimating those stories and so on and so forth. So we do a lot of work upfront in backlog refinement. And it's something we do ongoing. It's not a formal ceremony. We'll talk about that another day when we go deeper into Scrum. The next thing here is the potentially shippable increment. Potentially shippable means you don't have to ship. You could if you wanted to, but you don't have to. You could have many PSIs and all the potentially shippable increments, PSIs, could add up to one release. And then you could release many PSIs at once. It really depends on what you're working on. The next ceremony is the sprint review ceremony. This is where the team demos what it has done. This is also where the team works with stakeholders. 
They get feedback from stakeholders. So when you demo what you've done, you're demoing for stakeholders. Stakeholders give feedback. New user stories may come out of this meeting and it's a working session. It's not just a demo, it's a working session. The final one here is a sprint retrospective. And this is where the team gets to zero in on what went well, what didn't go so well. And they decide on an item or two to improve on in the next sprint. So in other words, it's more like a quality check. So when they understand what needs to happen to do better, of course, it goes in the backlog, ends up going through sprint backlog. And the next sprint, they decide to do X, Y, or Z to get better. So it's, again, a risk coping mechanism and a quality mechanism. And there you have it. That is a 353. Three roles, product owner, scrum master, and team. And you get that, right? And then we have the five ceremonies. Daily scrum, sprint, sprint planning, sprint review, sprint retrospective. And then you have the three artifacts, product backlog, sprint backlog, and the PSI. Now, with all that spoken about, I want you to think about scrum like this. And with this visual, hopefully you will not forget it and you'll be able to go back to this in the future. When we think about Scrum, you've got to think about the sprint as being the heartbeat. This is the sprint. The sprint is the heartbeat of Scrum. I want you to look at the sprint as a container. It's a container for everything else that happens. Within the sprint, we have the daily scrum within the sprint we have sprint planning because this is the very first thing that happens right sprint planning but it happens within the sprint we have the sprint review And last but not least, extremely important, you have the sprint retrospective. I can do better than that. Excuse my horrendous writing there. Let's try and make this a bit bigger because this is by far the most important meeting. So sprint retrospective all those four are within the sprint and the sprint is a heartbeat of scrum and that sprint remember it's a time box in industry the sweet spot is usually two weeks you find a lot of firms using two weeks, but it's anywhere from one to four weeks as prescribed in the Scrum Guide. To read up more about Scrum, go to scrumguides.org. And this has a breakdown of what I just showed you in a lot more detail. Okay? So now you understand Scrum, let's go back to the gov.uk website and let's explore it a little bit further. So here we are. All of these items will now make perfect sense to you. Using agile tools and techniques can help your digital digital team to self-organize and plan, communicate, continuously improve, get support from senior responsible officers, so on and so forth. You might also hear these tools and techniques called agile ceremonies. They're really from Scrum, okay? So the daily stand-up meeting is it's really a, a daily Scrum, we call it, from, from rugby. The stand-up is a daily meeting of the team to discuss what they're working on and whether there are any problems or dependencies they need to resolve. For example, needing help from someone else. Stand-up should last no longer than 15 minutes. You should hold them at the same time every day. It's best if you do stand-ups in front of your team wall. Sprint planning meetings. Sprint planning meetings are a feature of Scrum. You should hold them at the start of each sprint. At a sprint planning meeting, the team decides what to work on next and how they'll do it. The length of the meeting will depend on how long your sprint is. So I really want you to get this right. Your sprint planning happens in the sprint. 
So if we're in sprint one, we are in sprint planning for sprint one within sprint one. That is different from the backlog refinement informal ceremony I talked about. All right, next one is team review. And I mentioned a sprint review. Uh, it's called show and tell here of the team. Review is a regular meeting which gives team members the opportunity to demonstrate their work. We might also call it a demo. It can also be called a sprint review or show and tell. You can invite stakeholders like directors or suppliers to this meeting and use it to tell them about the user stories you've completed or other work you've done. You'll need a screen to show your work and enough space for people to join in. If your service is part of a large organization or program, you may want to open up your review to the rest of the organization every few weeks. Oh, no, no. You get the idea. Retrospective meetings. Retrospective, sometimes called retros, are regular meetings where your whole team talks about what's going well and what's not. Now, one thing I want you to look out for when you do retrospectives is to, again, remember that word we looked at in the beginning, you've got to create the favorable environment. You get what I'm saying? You've got to create a favorable environment and you've got to be looking to be transparent. You've got to be looking to be as honest as possible. You've got to be looking for can being can candid, as candid as possible and a, a safe space. You want the team to feel safe, right? Now, my buddy Roy and I, we train together and there's something we often say about the retrospective. We're fond of saying Agile Vegas. Whatever happens in the retrospective stays there. You know, like whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Whatever happens in the retrospective stays in the retrospective. And for that reason, we don't want to create a habit of documenting everything on paper. Oh, Phil said, Phil said he botched the code. Oh, let's write that one down. That's, that will be one for senior management to look at. No, 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 no. No, we work as a team. Remember, it's an autonomous, self-organizing, self-managed team. The team is going to be together. So, so the right thing, you know, I talked about the five stages of team development. The right thing is to keep the team together. And if you keep the team together, they remember what happened in the retrospective. So there's no need to document, 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 have lessons learned and then document. And everyone knows, oh, that's why that one happened. Phil botched the code. Phil didn't run the test. No, we don't want that. See, so teams usually hold retros at the end of an iteration. For example, a sprint. You've already seen it. Now you understand why I wanted to show you Scrum first, right? The point of the retro is to fix any problems in the team and to make sure you keep doing things that are working. Here's a little bit of information about how to run a retrospective. Let's read really quick. One person should host the retro and decide on questions for the team to talk about. If you're hosting, pick broad questions that allow the team to set the agenda rather than strictly submit yourself. Retro should have an open atmosphere where every member of the team can speak honestly and feel confident that their colleagues will listen. Allow 60 to 90 minutes for the meeting. There are many prescribed durations, by the way. And use a private space where you can stick post-it notes on the wall. With time, you know the sweet, you get to the sweet spot and you know what works for your team. A basic retro could follow the following steps. The host explains the questions at the beginning and sticks a post-it note to the wall for each question. Each team member writes down one or more answers for each question on post-it notes and sticks them to the right part of the wall. The group discusses issues as they come up or at the end. The host decides on actions to fix any problems raised and assigns them to members of the team. You could choose to cover three or four of the following topics. What went well in the last iteration or went badly in the last iteration? What's puzzling the team or what the team does not understand? Who the team wants to thank, for example, other members of the team. These topics are just examples. All right, make a list of actions. You should use the information you get from your retro to improve your work and your working environment. So remember, I said you take a couple of items, you put them back into the pipeline, you make a list of actions that you carry out to fix the problems, and you should aim getting the actions done before the next retrospective. Some teams have end of phase retrospectives. Now in Agile, to be quite honest, we stay away from using the word phase. So we could think about doing things at the end of a release, 
for example, uh, my recommendation will be to stay away from the word phase because people don't get it that when we use the word phase, we're just speaking broadly. I would rather you think about clusters of sprints, if you will, or releases. I would also like you to think about phases like this. If this is a sprint, if this is sprint one, in sprint one, we are doing analysis, design, develop, test, and implement. For example, think about it like that. Let's say you are going to implement what you did in, in that sprint. That's sprint one. Sprint two is going to also be analysis, design, develop, test, implement. Sprint three will also be all those same phases, but we don't use the word phase. We don't use the waterfall lingo. So be careful about using this lingo because people think, oh, that's a phase. That No, that's not a phase. At best, this is a mini project, okay? Each sprint is a mini project. So you got to think about it like that, Okay. Something else I want to correct before we move on is the fact that you don't have to run your daily stand-up or daily scrum would be the better word to use, but you don't have to use your daily, you don't have to run your daily scrum the same way mentioned here. There is uh, something else you do. So let's click on team wall and let's see if that takes us to a visual. No, it doesn't. Let's see. So what I what I wanted to talk about under the daily scrum, and let's go back to the page we were at before. What I wanted to, to let you know is you could run a daily scrum in a different way. You could run a daily scrum by doing something we call walk the board. Walk the board. And how you walk the board, it just means... Let's say you're using a Kanban board. This is a simple Kanban board. These are items that you have to do. These are items that that you're doing. And these are items that you have done. So in a daily scrum, you could choose to talk about the items that are closest to being done. And you could talk about why items one, two, and three are not quite done and what you need to do to get them to done, and we call it walking the board. So we start from those items that are furthest to the right on the board. Now, you know, some teams, they've got the whole analysis, design, develop, test, implement like that. And that's their board with five states. Some people may have seven states and they would start with those that are closest to the right of the board. And that's okay. And we will talk about the impediments and what we need to do to get those doing items to done. And that's another way that these daily scrums could be run. So it doesn't have to be three questions all the time. There are different ways of doing that. All right, let's see what else we have. And that was team walls. And then we've got related guides, agile methods and introduction, creating an agile working environment, which we've taken a look at. So my friends, I think... That is pretty much it. Let's go back to Agile Delivery. So we've talked about that. Um, What else? Working with Agile Methods. We've got a place here governing Agile Services, and we've got phases of an Agile project. And and like I said, be careful with the word phases. So what else? There's some other more specific stuff to UK.gov, let's see. Governance principles for agile service delivery. Let's take a look. The following six principles will help you create an agile culture. Don't slow down delivery. Decisions when they're needed. Do it with the right people. Remember what I said, adults, people who go blend with the team, right? Go see for yourself. Only do it if it adds value, trust, and verify. Okay, so yeah, we're talking about short sprints. All right. 
And there's so much stuff here. We'll probably have another session. But if you have any questions, because I'm going to rely on your interactivity, right? If you have any questions about any of the things I talked about, or you want to learn more about certain aspects, or there's still certain questions that you have, do let me know. Okay. If you are looking for coaching in this world, in this. So if you're looking for training or coaching in any of this stuff that I've talked about, you can go to the website pmanonymous.com and at pmanonymous.com you can take a look at some of the coaching services that I have available. I would also advise going to our website praiseon.com. It's the parent website. There's a number of uh, learning options there. Here's my information. You can look for me on LinkedIn. Let's connect. Shoot me a message. And uh, let's work together towards your goals, whatever that might be. I've worked for a lot of companies um, from Honeywell, Motorola, US Airways, General Dynamics, worked with all sorts of agencies, training them in project management like NASA and the FBI and the US Army, the US Air Force, so many, you know, uh, folks out there, the Arriva company in the UK with the double-decker buses, train them as well. Uh, folks out in Mildenhall, from our United States Air Force. So you're in great hands. You're looking for someone to get you certified in any of these certifications or give you advice. Be more than happy to help you, all right? So here's our website information, pmanonymous.com. That's for coaching and mentoring, praiseyoung.com. If you're looking for some learning in project management or towards professional exams like the PMP exam and so on. All right, now in closing, I do want to direct you one more time because I know some of our folks who are watching this, some of our students who may be watching this, uh, do not know how to get to the website that all of this great information was on. So I want you to go to www.gov.uk forward slash service dash manual forward slash agile dash delivery. Go there, find out what's available, learn and Hey, it's free. You might as well use it. In the next few sessions, what I intend to do is to also cover the U.S. Government Agile Assessment Guide, which is like the U.S. version of what you just saw, but it's in a PDF. It's a fancy guide. You have it there, and um, we'll talk about this hopefully in the not-too-distant future. All right? I hope you found all of this information to be useful. Um, again, I just want to make a final argument for for the Agile movement because we often hear the question, why Agile? Agile is not only a way of thinking, it's a, it's, it's a really great way of working when you bake in the practices of Agile into how you work, Okay. It may also surprise you, but out of the organizations recently reviewed by the PMI, at least in the past five years, what we realized was a huge number of organizations use Agile for their work. Sometimes, often, always, see? And out of those organizations that use Agile, the most recent review that I heard or the organizations that use Agile, 90% of them use, believe it or not, Scrum. And that is why I really wanted to show you a few things about Scrum today, just so that you would internalize the framework and all of that stuff on the website, it's now second nature to you, right? I also want to encourage you to go to the agilemanifesto.org site take a look at the values once again uh, take a look at the principles watch my video about them you know again here's some information from the PMI that shows a full 71% of organizations report using agile approaches for their projects sometimes often or always and I believe that number is going to grow bigger and bigger and bigger I also want to call your attention to a video that I have out that precedes this one. I call it the 101, if you will, of Agile. So if you go to the 
crazy on YouTube channel right over here. If you click on this video, what is agile? This is a precursor to what you're watching right now. Goes into the think, the mindset. I would really love for you to watch that because I didn't, I didn't spend a whole lot of time on the mindset today. Touched on some of it, but you'll get a lot more by watching that video as well. Um, also, for, for those of you who want to stay connected via podcast, go to pmradio.org, pmradio.org, and that will take you to the podcast that I have. I put out stuff there weekly. Um, I tailor a lot of it for students taking a professional exam known as the PMP exam. So if you're thinking of taking the PMP exam, uh, go to that website, pmradio.org, and um, you'll be able to listen to all those podcasts, as you can see on the screen, all this stuff that I have out there for you. All right. I hope you found this to be informative and helpful. I wish you all the best in your preparation for Agile, implementing it, the exam. And just remember, you got any questions, anything else you want to know about, let me know. You take care and bye for now. Let's face it, not everyone learns in front of an instructor. Some people learn very well on their own. Others may learn by discussing the PMBOK guide with a trainer or coach. Others may learn by watching videos. If that sounds like you in any one of those instances, you need to go on down to praiseon.com. P-R-A-I-Z-I-O-N.com. We provide solutions for all modes of learning. Go on down and see what we have in store. Let's get back into the show.